the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. We are in the saddle, folks, ready to get started tonight for The Bible Live broadcast the next 90 minutes. We're going to talk about all things biblical. We've been reading through our, did I? Oh, I forgot to give you this, Jacob. Uh, oh. uh, Jacob's here beside me as well. We're going to oh. get started here. Here's, um, so I'm not sickly, I'm well. You're well, yeah, yeah. That's next week's. Now here we have uh, our readings this week. If you've been listening Monday through Friday, uh, 9.30 in the evening is just as you get settling down for a night's rest. Tune in to this great, great channel on your radio and you'll hear the Bible live reading program. We are again reading through the scriptures every year. A 15 to 20 minute reading every weeknight and the entire Bible. We are now in the books of Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus. That's how we start out our readings at the first of November. <clears throat> so we're Genesis. Uh, this past week we read Exodus chapters 6 through 25. That was, that was where our readings took us. And so tonight we will we have our hands full. Both of us have a list of questions that came from our um, readings this past week. And so we can ask some questions and get you involved in answering those. And also we can discuss some of these, uh, use the questions as uh, jumping off points to to um, talk about some of the important aspects 
of the readings tonight. But among all the other things we want to talk about, there is this idea that, well, everybody knows there's this day, uh, this holiday, and not everybody knows, but there's this holiday called Hanukkah. And, uh, but I don't think most of us know what Hanukkah is all about. I mean, it's just my view is that uh, most of Americans are just about as ignorant as I was and am <laughs> about these matters. Uh, we don't get it. Uh, it's central to our either American or our religious culture. Uh, and, you know, we, we know it's there. We know what it is, but uh, maybe we don't know why it's there. So I'm going to uh, ask our resident Jewish expert <laughs> to John, not you. No, no. Uh, we're going to ask we're going to ask Jacob to kind of give us a little background because uh, actually this is the first day of Hanukkah. Today. Uh, this is the first day, and, and that's is, unusual. It is unusual. Usually it's about the same time as Christmas, but uh, this time it's because of the there's a leap year in the past, and so about uh, every so often, um, it, when they build up a whole month, we, we use 365 and one quarter days, and every fourth year in our, in our calendar is mm-hmm. uh, a leap year. Well, they wait till they get enough days to make a month. <laughs> so they just add a whole month at a uh, time. Actually, like that's correct. So it can go as much as two weeks early. To By they, you mean uh, the Jews? The Jews, calendar. uh-huh. Okay. The calendar, yeah. They have 360 days, they call it a year, uh-huh. and then they build up, uh, that builds up, what, five and a half days, five and a quarter days right. every year? Yeah. Yeah. And every 17 years, you had a month. Right, and everybody knew that the sun had to be back in a certain place. So every culture had a way of adjusting the calendar to re- meet the sun. And uh, so, actually, so the... Um, Where in the world did you find the time to learn all this stuff? That's, that's just pretty amazing, actually. Well, it's just, it's, or it's, maybe it's, I'm just particularly ignorant. No, it's your, it's your wristwatch. Oh, I see. See, the sun and the moon. Uh, you know, if the sun starts off at 12 and, and the moon goes around one whole complete time, it'll go, the sun will move to one and then two. And when the sun goes all the way back to 12, you can count how many times it had to be for the sun, moon to come and go. Sure, and it's 12 okay. times. Okay, uh-huh. So every culture knew that. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, even native culture here, we... we Many moons, remember all oh, those many movies moons, of yeah. many moons have uh, yeah. passed. You know, well, everyone was counting the moons and counting the uh, this and that and the other. And there were different ways that we followed, that we measured or ticked off times, days, nights, uh, and years of our lives. Uh, ticked off. Kinda, yeah, yeah. I like that. You built that into the clock analogy. Yeah, you? Tick, yeah. we tick it off. Yeah. And well, but the whole the whole point is too that we were all doing that, but we weren't all using the same pattern, and so that's led to a lot of complications when we go to. When we're reading through the Bible and it says this date on this date this happened or that happened or something, the, the we talked about this when we we explored the uh, prophecies of Daniel mm-hmm. and the sixty weeks and the sixty nine weeks of seven and it and you had to make all of these adjustments for the different calendars and the different days and the times to to find out what that means in today's uh, you know in today's right. processes. So it's 
<laughs> it, it can be a little, a little uh, disconcerting. Maybe that's why we don't know more than we know because. Uh, well, actually, I, I don't, I don't think you should. Because I'm just lazy. I don't think you should put yourself down. Uh, you actually know more than you're letting on. You're being <laughs> humble, but I would say, in a sense, you don't need to be. <laughs> okay. um, but actually, the. All right. Well, that's but nice. no. So it could. So there's a month. So it could occur this time. It's unusual. It occurs actually about two weeks before Christmas, uh-huh. and uh, it usually occurs about the same week as Christmas. It can actually be a week afterwards. We're back to coming. talking about Hanukkah now. We are. I thought but that I'm was curious topic, about yeah. this declaration you've made uh, that I don't necessarily have to be humble. Oh, you want and to talk I, about I, how smart you I, are? I, yeah, no, no. <laughs> I was just kind of wanting to make sure, did you get that directly from God, or is uh, that just you talking? That was John telling me. <laughs> Had nothing to do with now, unless it's God saying it, I think I better start I better keep on trying to be as humble. Well you as I know can. you know what God's first name is. You know the joke, right? His name is Howard. How Howard, Howard be his name. Howard <laughs> Our Father who art in heaven. Howard be his name. Howard. <laughs> That's a bad joke. Okay, everybody, uh, write soapy for that. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. Well, let's go back to Hanukkah. Okay. Let's get back on safe ground. Here, and, and you were going to tell us where it came from, how it developed, what well, it is. When, when the Greeks had taken And when you're going to give me my Hanukkah present. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it to you right now in the sense of an oral education. Oh, my God. The, <laughs> the, uh, the disappointment is uh, just uh, I understand you're a materialistic kind of guy. I yeah, gotcha. that's true. All uh, right, go for it. So, anyway, but no, well, the Greeks uh, the Greeks had taken over everything, and and uh, they had taken over the temple, as the Romans took over the temple in Jesus' time. Well, a small band of Jews took the temple back, and they purified it with fire. They actually purified the entire temple with fire. But they found one cruise of oil, and it was enough to keep the menorah, the candle opera, going for one day. But the miracle was it burned for eight days. So thus we have eight days on the Hanukkah, or the Hanukkah, they call it. It's like a menorah, but it has one extra. Okay, now they, okay, Romans are in charge. Yeah. No, no, this but, is the Greeks at Hanukkah. Oh, the Greeks? Uh, Greeks. Oh, oh, yeah. Ah, and uh, this time. And are these the famous Maccabees? The Maccabees was the Jewish group, the, a small group of people uh-huh. that t- actually defeated the Greeks and took the temple back. Okay. Now, it would so be, how did they cleanse it by fire? Because how you can get rid of any contamination is by cleansing it with heat and fire, see. But well, that's, what did they go through? Did they just kind of yeah. like pour gasoline everywhere, oil everywhere, and it burned? No, I don't or? think they had gasoline, just my guess. But no, no, I'm talking about the oil of the. Is that the idea, though? That yeah, they well, set they, fire, they, or did they, no. they just kind of? They they just use fire to cleanse heat. the walls. Yeah. Okay. And so, but what the real thing is about the cruise of oil? Now I don't know what a cruise is. That's a little bottle. Oh, a little. Okay, so they so. After they purified the temple, yeah. then they have uh, which holiday is it where they have to light the menorah? A Hanukkah. Oh, it this was is, a holiday before this happened. It was not. Uh, holiday before this, but I will tell you something fascinating. But on what basis? Why were they lighting the menorah? Okay. Oh, the menorah has to be lit all the time anyway? No. Oh. The, when the Greeks had taken everything over, they did not keep the Jewish holidays, of course, as the Romans did not either. But during the Greek time, they actually, uh, when the small group of Maccabees, actually what that means in English is uh, they'd call, like, there was a guy named Judah the Maccabee. Maccabee means the hammer. 
because yeah. when, when he would hit, he would hit like a hammer. It's hammer time. Yeah. So they went back and they actually chased the Greeks out, took the temple back. They purified the temple and they found one cruise of oil, one little bottle of oil. Uh-huh. It was enough to only keep the menorah going for one day. However, but why was the menorah going anyway? Big, why was it going? Yeah, why did they want the menorah to, the candle, this is his seven, uh, seven candles, right? It was seven at, menorah, at the temple. Which yes. is in the, uh, uh, Ark of the, uh, it was in the, it was in the tabernacle and now is in the temple. Yes. So why did they want it lit anyway? Because it's supposed to be lit for a light to the world. Like all the time, right? Yes. And what is, you're looking at the enlightenment of the world. Okay. So they wanted to light the menorah, but they only had this one cruise or a little bottle of oil, and it was only going to last one day. Right. But miraculously, yeah, it miraculously, lasted yeah. eight days. Eight days. And from then on, Hanukkah became a tradition. Now, Jesus, actually, you've heard of him, I guess. Uh, he was, he kept Hanukkah. Uh, you'll find I, I have heard of him. Okay, he, he's... In John 10:22, uh-huh. you'll actually find it says Feast of Dedication or Feast of Lights. Now, the reason this is important, it occurs on the Jewish calendar, uh, on the Hanukkah, on the 25th of this month, of the Jewish calendar, on the 25th day. Uh-huh. Why is that important? Because when you go back to Genesis and you do it in Hebrew, the 25th word is light. Ah. Uh-huh. So John ten twenty two is uh-huh. what Jesus said. Yeah, that's where he keeps it, yes. And it's fascinating because he was going there and he knew what Hanukkah was about. Uh, it was now winter and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, the festival of dedication. He was in the temple walking through the section known as Solomon's Colonnade. Mm-hmm. The people surrounded him and asked, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Oh, boy, that's kind of So you see what the, the remodeling of that story is. Everybody knew the story of uh, the Maccabees and uh, Judah. The Maccabee and his family took the temple back. So they see Jesus walking there, and he's uh, uh, reputedly the Messiah. And so they say, well, hey, come on. You're going to be like uh, Judah and the Maccabees. You're going to take this temple back? Are you going to tell us or not? Yeah, see, so he's in the same spot where the salt takes place. And they, they view it as a reminiscence or an anniversary, you see. I see. So, mm. um, so anyway, so that's what it's really all about. So that's now, what Hanukkah is about. And because of the calendar, a uh, uh, little bit of a drama and confusion with the calendar, this, uh, this particular year, because of leap years and all that sort of thing, Hanukkah usually is around more close to Christmas. Yeah, it usually but in Christmas, this case, it's what, two or three weeks ahead? Two, of two it. weeks ahead, mm-hmm. yes, huh? And it could be that's two weeks ahead or the week of uh, Christmas, when you might call it, or even the week after. So you got about a month span that it can occur. Uh-huh. But this time is very early, which is nice because if you want to keep both this month, you can. So what did you get me? Well, okay, what I got you, at sunset around the world, all the little Jewish kids should sing the same song. Really? Yes. Yes, Jews are well... See, this evening? Yes. So... It's already gone by. Sunset's gone Sunset's past too, yes. But you're going to tell us this song? I'm not going to tell you Are you going to sing it for me? I am going to play it for you. Only a couple of verses, okay? Okay, sure. All right, are you ready? Well, I don't know. Listen listen closely to the words.
appreciation of what the Jews do on Hanukkah. Well, they, sure. The, the children, uh, we ought the to knowledge know is meant to make us larger, not smaller. We ought to know. And, we, and what I think is in, very important, because even in, in the Gospels, you've got Jesus keeping sure, Hanukkah. Sure, of course. So everybody seemed to know what it was. And uh, I don't, I'll leave it up to you to decide if uh, Christians in the gospel should follow it and follow the model of Jesus or not. I have no opinion on it. That's up to you. So... so well, let me ask this. I, I, you know, I don't guess I do either. I'm not. This is my first consideration of it. But what what is the actual? Is there a spiritual? Yes. Message? Yes. See, the light is the spirit of God has returned to the temple and the light to the world. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I said this before in the past. By the way, thank you for letting me play a couple lines sure. of that song. Um, but the so you know how light like windows are usually made. And they're usually made smaller on the outside. And as they go into a room, in ancient rooms, they would expand so the light would be more dispersed into a room. Mm -hmm. The windows at the temple are built exactly backwards. Inside they're smaller, but they get larger and expand as so they go the outward. from the temple. From the temple to the world. It's the light of the world. You recognize that from that? Oh, anyway. yeah. Hmm, that does sound very familiar uh, to me. So that's the idea. Well, so cool. thank you. Now we can go on. Yeah, well, that's fine. That, that, no, that wasn't, um, I mean, that's, there was, that that's wasn't what we do here. Right? That wasn't quite as boring as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't boring at all. Uh, let's see here. We, like I said, our readings this past week, we made it through Exodus chapters 6 through uh, 25, and we... Last week, we talked about the people of Israel there in Egypt. Moses has gone in. He, uh, the, we, what, no, I'm talking, we, we talked about jo Joseph. And uh, Joseph being there, we talked about how the Midianites sold him into slavery. Uh, he went into, Potiphar took him out of the pit, yeah. And, uh, and, and the, the, this incredible, this amazing thing that God did through this individual named Joseph. Uh, uh, oh, there's just so much about this. But, but Joseph says at the end, he says, you know, you're, you meant it for evil. Now, it wasn't like his brothers didn't have anything to do with this whole situation. They, they were somehow involved in, in the... Uh, and, and the things that happened. they began the process, yeah, yeah, and so and so, uh, but but Joseph himself tells them, which what an amazing character Joseph was down uh, there, uh -huh. and he's testing them. He's trying to see where their hearts are, what kind of people they become now. They didn't recognize him, and uh, but he he knew them and he could understand their speech. So he was, he was kind of cluing himself in on about about them. And we see Judah offering to give, stay and be the hostage. 
uh, to guarantee that, 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 that the young Benjamin, uh, who was Joseph's little brother, th- from, the, from Rachel. Uh, and, and so we had this whole drama being played out, and, and it, it's just incredibly significant because not only is it a great story in and of itself, but it's just this wonderful picture, as we've been talking about, these, these, um, prof- these prophecies, these, this, these pictures of the redemptive plan of God. The, the, and and uh, so Joseph is another. Like you mentioned, uh, Moses, uh, 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 Noah, the ark, all of these are pictures in some way of God's redemptive plan. They highlight some aspect of what God is doing. And before we get started tonight, I, I want to give our phone number to make sure anyone can call in. Oh, do we right. have a phone number we now? We do. Uh-huh. We have a phone well, number. What I is that phone bill. number? I paid the bill. Ah, we, 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 can, okay. we can use it now. Well, he, John is holding up a sign. Uh-huh. Don't you have to, you have to give that area code uh, these days? 210 is the area code. Uh-huh. So nowadays, you know, you have to use that right. area code. 340-9585. 340-9585. So if you'd like to call in and talk about... Hanukkah or anything on your heart or mind, anything biblical, something that you're learning. Maybe you have a question about the Bible or what it is to uh, to know God and this idea that we have of a, uh, a relationship with God. Maybe you have questions about what that means. I uh, would love to try to give you a thought or two that stimulates you a bit and give you uh, maybe uh, maybe even, who knows, maybe two or three, a couple of ideas that you can take and, and look at and consider. So if you have questions about the Bible or that you'd like to respond and talk about some aspect of the scriptures, uh, that's what this program is all about. I do have one thing that I've asked. Oh, one thing. Like Just one. I would love you to do it. Sophie, could I impose upon you to do that one thing. The, oh, the, just that one thing, ah, Ms. Curly said. No, well, you can do more than what I just oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, the, the point is, last week, uh, as we started uh, the program, I remember asking you, uh, okay, we were making our way through Genesis, and we're kind of getting into Exodus now, so, um, and I said, how do the Jewish people see these early these early chapters of the Bible, how are they understood, and what uh, you know? I, I talk about them, and sometimes as that they, in the book of Genesis, God is setting the table. He's he's preparing, uh, putting things in place that are going to that are going to be the norm for human beings, and the the, the things that God put in place in the book of Genesis, those those um, those factors those situations, they're still in force today. Uh, and so I, I wanted to, if I could, I'd like to give a, a kind of a, a, um, as, as Christians look at yes. the old book. great. Uh, now, we don't have the advantage of you guys. Oh, all those, get no, off no, of no, it, no, no, Sophie. I mean, I mean this. We don't have that all those centuries and all that commentary. What are you talking about? You've only got 2,000 years. But I got some, it. Yeah. But sometimes I think maybe Maybe uh, sometimes we, we, I think sometimes we've gotten it right. We hit it uh, yeah. uh, right in, in things that maybe even you guys yeah. could go. Yeah, well, you guys. Right. Hey, that's, what that's what you guys it. doing? Yeah. But here's, here's what I think has happened. We've seen so far from the book of Genesis. We, we saw creation. We saw Adam and Eve. We saw uh, the fall into sin. We saw Cain kill Abel. We saw Seth born. We saw the race expand. Then we went to Noah. I do have an interjecting question for mm-hmm. you. How long was Abel Cain's brother? As long as he was able. Oh, 
you know the answer. How did you know that answer? I, 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 actually, I thought I was being a smart aleck, but I was No, that's the answer. How long was Abel Cain's brother? As long as he's able. Okay. Okay, go ahead. Okay, go here ahead. we go. Now, what I think is important that believers understand today, and I, and I think it's crucial for believers to understand it, because uh, we need to understand the context in which we live our lives. I mean, we're living day to day here in San Antonio, South Texas. Things are happening in the world, around the world, here locally and all. And we need to have a context in which we understand what's going on. And frankly, I hear a lot of times pe- preachers, I hear people talking about grief and, oh, why, you know, why did this have to happen? And we don't know why. And, and you know, there's no re- you know, we just have to kind of suck it up and take it as part of the deal. And we don't know why. Well, I don't, I, I'm, I'll be honest with you, I, don't, I think we do know why. I don't, I don't think there's anything that happens to us in this world that is a surprise to us if we have a biblical worldview, because that's exactly what we see happening in the book of Genesis, is that God is setting up the, the situation uh, under which human beings would be born and raised and live their lives and die and, and go on and bring on other generations and generations and generations. Uh, the dynamic that we are going to live in is being set up in the book of Genesis here. And, and, and that is that, uh, you know, this is, this is going to be a world in which good and evil coexist. God has put into play here a race of beings called human beings. Uh, he has breathed the, uh, spiritual life into them. We have free will. We have understanding. We have intellect. We have reason. And we make our decision uh, in this world about whether or not we're going to be part of the people of God. That's the primary decision that we make, and that's the primary thing that's going on. I call it the prime directive of the Bible, is that God is calling out a people for himself. I will be their God, they will be my people. But that means that it's not going to be the majority, it's not going to be everybody, but there are millions and millions of people come and go. Where did that come from? John surprised John, did you do that? He is. Okay, John, the circumcision will be in 20 minutes. (laughs) Our first segment is gone. I'll come back and finish telling about why the book of Genesis paints a picture of what the world is being like. So we could, nothing should surprise us uh, in life, and we don't need to be asking that question, why did that happen? Because it all has, there is a prime directive. There is a guiding principle of what God is doing in the world we live in, whether it's a football game or a little birthday party or a giant international summit of the powerful nations of the world. Uh, every one of those events has their place in the context of what God is doing. And we'll come back and talk about that. And then we'll get into our questions. We have a caller on the line. We'll get and talk with Harold in a moment. You can call in as well, 340-9585. So let's take our break, and then we'll come back and uh, answer. Just let me finish in that little break from making our way through the book of Genesis, and then we'll get to our passages from the book of Exodus tonight. Don't go away. We'll be right back. When did you do that, John? Oh. 
You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Luke 14 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Who can you share God's love with today? Hi, and welcome to today's encouragement from Our Daily Bread. It's titled, Thanks for Being You. Written by Soshi Dixon. When I served as my mom's live-in caregiver at a cancer center, I got to know Lori, another caregiver who lived down the hallway from us with her husband, Frank. I would chat, laugh, vent, cry, and pray with Lori in the shared living areas. We enjoyed supporting each other as we cared for our loved ones. One day, I missed the free shuttle that took residents to buy groceries. Lori offered to drive me to the store later that evening. With grateful tears, I accepted her offer. Thanks for being you, I said. I truly appreciated her for who she was as a person, not just for what she did for me as a friend. Psalm 100 demonstrates an appreciation of God for who He is, not simply for all He does. The psalmist invites all the earth to worship the Lord with gladness, being confident in knowing the Lord is God. Our Maker invites us into His presence to give thanks to Him and praise His name. Yes, the Lord remains worthy of our ongoing thankfulness because He is good, His love endures forever, and His faithfulness continues through all generations. God will always be the creator and sustainer of the universe and our intimately loving Father. He deserves our genuine, joy-filled gratitude. Today's encouragement was provided by Our Daily Bread Ministries. Get the inside scoop on events and contests on AM630 The Word by becoming part of the club. Details at the top of the page at am630theword.com. That's am630theword.com. Hey, this is Bob Olszewski. Thanks for listening to Plugged In. Life, love, existence. According to Imagine Dragons' new album, Origins, they all have great meaning. The Las Vegas-based quartet just released its fourth full-length studio album, and man, is it full, full of angst and hope, peril and life, and jam-packed with a fusion of genres all aimed at connecting with you, wherever you may be, along life's wide emotional spectrum. The songs occasionally conform to a worldly point of view, but they mostly encourage you to focus instead on relationships and moments that matter most. So I'll give Origins a 4 out of 5 for family friendliness. For a full review of the album, visit PluggedIn.com radio. I'm Bob Olaszewski for Focus on the Family, Plugged In. 
Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com. Mary, did you know that your baby boy one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. We'll give sight to a blind man. Mary, did you know that your baby boy calm a storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? And when you kiss your little baby, all right, we are right. That is rapidly becoming my favorite Christmas song. I mean, I love the um, the star. What's the one about um, um, the Christmas? <laughs> I, I can't remember anything. We got to get in the mode here a little bit better. But uh, about um, the star at night. That's that's been um, Twinkle Twinkle. No, no. <laughs> no, no, deep in the heart of Texas. No, you guys, they're not helping me at all. You see, you can't get to get help anymore. But um, the star uh, is born. No, 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 no. quit. Start, stop. <laughs> Don't need your help. Uh, but anyway, uh, but this song about Mary, did you know that's just becoming so, it's just a precious song of what, you know, she did know. She knew. I mean, she was told. It's like uh, Rachel. I was going to say, well, could she not know? Yeah. I mean, she was told. An angel shows up and tells her, my goodness, I would know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, but, but she didn't know what it would mean. You know, what well, it, she doesn't. What does it mean in every detail in are particular? You, are you being, uh, what's the word, uh, misogyn- misogynistic? I don't know. Am I? I don't even know what that means. I, I think it has something to do with uh, what they used to call male chauvinist, you know, male chauvinist pig or something like that. You know? No, I'm not being. I'm just saying that I, 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 um, I, I assume Mary knew. When I, when I hear that song, I can always see Mary raising her hand saying, I know, I know already, I know. Uh, no, but did she know ahead of time what was what was intended? It's a great theme, I think. I, I, I love this well, song. Well, you could practice and sing because you okay. sang pretty good. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Well, here's I was just in, in the midst of telling. Now, I know we've got a caller now. You're going to have to be patient with me. But I'm going to try to rapidly tell you why nothing should surprise us, folks. We not This whole idea that, you know, well, we can, when we're grieving, you know, we don't have to know why is someone, you know, I have a dear, dear, dear friend right this moment who, who the doctors say is dying. Uh, and and we're, you know, we're, do, we're praying and we're doing, taking steps to do what we can to help. But, you know, the, the family is not, they're kind of wrenching their hands. Oh, why is this happening? What is, you know, the, <laughs> there's so many things that, 
that we need to know and understand from the scriptures. The book of Genesis puts in play what we see God doing is setting the table in the book of Genesis for the redemptive plan of humanity throughout centuries and centuries and centuries, uh, millennia, in fact. But he's putting, to, he's putting, he's establishing the norms for our existence. And uh, it, you, you see God telling Adam and Eve in the garden, you know, spread out and multiply, be fruitful. And, you, you know, we, we see these things. Remember, over and over, he, he, his intent is for people to spread out. To, that he wanted there to be people groups. He wanted there to be competing people groups, uh, people that live in the desert, people that live on islands, people that live in the mountains, people that live on the beaches, uh, and they would develop different language, different customs, different traditions, different foods. So they, they, there was this, part of the idea was this, but they would not do it. They wouldn't spread out. Uh, and, and so what happened? The whole human race walked in lockstep to sin and judgment. And, and and ended up that the entire human race was judged of God and destroyed, except Noah and his family in the ark. Well, we we talked about that. Well, then when they get out of the ark again, God tells them, spread out, multiply, be fruitful, fill the earth. But they don't do it again. They stick together. They stay together. And again, we see the whole human race kind of moving together in one culture uh, where... You know, that's how Noah ended up being the only believing family left is because the whole culture went the other direction. Uh, and, he, and he was the only holdout. Well, God uh, used him, you know, to start over again. But then they did it again. But this time, God, instead of destroying and judging, he, we see the Tower of Babel, and we see he confuses the languages, and they're, therefore they're forced to spread out into multiple people groups and cultures and traditions and languages, which means that, uh, now why is that important? It's important because God is trying to, the whole plan of God is that the human race is going to let go live for centuries and millennia, thousands of years, and it's going to spread and multiply. There'll become millions and millions and billions of us on this planet, and all through these generations and these times, what God is doing is he's going to be revealing himself to men and women on planet Earth through general revelation and through this special revelation of the scriptures and his dealings with the people of Israel and so on, and he's going to be calling out Every generation, out every race, every tribe, every language, he's calling out a people for himself. That we will be his people, he will be our God, and we will dwell together with our God and with each other forever and ever. That's his plan. But it's what's happening is that that's being carried out now, even today, around planet Earth. Uh, whatever happens, everything that happens is related to that harvest. The spiritual harvest of God is calling out people for himself. And so uh, th- that's what's going on. Every, every, our birthday parties, our illnesses, our this, that, and the other, all these traumas and difficulties and companies that are created and companies that go bankrupt and all. Every event in, in human life has to do, ultimately, God is in the every situation uh, revealing himself to men and women and calling them to himself. And uh, that's, that's what's happening. And, and, and um, God's people is being called out from every race, every tribe. And God has used then not only as he set the table that way, but he began then with Abraham in chapter 12 of Genesis. He started the process of the special revelation, the special work to bring the Redeemer, the Messiah into the world. 
the, the Messiah is predicted in so many different ways. Verbally, he's he's de- described. He's told about the time he's going to come, the the time of his life, what tribe of Israel he'd be from, and so on and so on and so on. Plus, there are these pictures all through the scriptures. Pictures of this redemptive plan, the, the sacrificial system, the lambs that were slain, the blood that was that flowed was all uh, whatever else it was. And it, it, it could have been, you know, there was other things to it. It was part of the worship and so on. It was part of the provision for the for the Jewish Levites. But there, too, there's this picture of this lamb. That's why John the Baptist said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There's this there's this. So it, there's so many pictures in the individuals and in the events and the buildings and the uh, battles and the history of the of, that God is revealing His redemptive plan, and so uh, I just want to lay that out there that now we're into the book of Exodus, and uh, we've moved on. Uh, Abraham is Isaac, and then Jacob, and now Joseph is down there. They went down. And now they're the 400 years in Egypt, and now Moses is raised up to come and redeem them and bring them uh, out uh, of, of Egypt, which is a picture of the believer uh, being brought out of sin, out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Uh, and so we, we see this beautiful picture. And uh, so anyway, that's, I, I just want to put, out that, put that out there that that's what we're looking at. That's what, as believers... Uh, as Christian believers, when we come to that Bible, this these are what this is what we picked up. It's a little different from the Jewish perspective in that you guys have uh, Jacob, you know, our Jewish uh, friends. They have they have other insights and other thoughts about what that passage was telling them and God's people and so on and so on. And yeah, I don't think there's any actual, as best I can tell. There's no total departure. It's not like, well, no, that's a totally different thing. Uh, what I've just described, Jacob, it ties it ties in at some level. It's 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 it could happen, right? That these two things are we're we're just describing it with different well, ways. I, I different have perspectives. A, I have a theory that God knew there was going to be a guy named Jesus, mm-hmm. and He knew there was going to be a Messiah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, regardless of what you feel or think about him, I think he knew it was going to happen. So, and I've said many, many times when I look at the New Testament, especially the Gospels, um, I am very much appreciative of whoever wrote that was not a second stringer. Mm -hmm. They knew what they were writing. However, the thing that concerns me, frankly, is sometimes I don't think we pick up on what the people at that time understood those verses were meaning to them at that time. Mm-hmm. In that context. Yeah. And, that, and that's so crucial. I think, to me, that's the, the most important thing about this Bible that we have in front of us, these 66 books. and this, uh, The most important significance and the most important meaning of those words, uh, initially at least, is what the speaker meant what the person meant when he said it right. and what the people there present in that moment understood that he meant. Well, if I you tell you right now it's raining cats and dogs, you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. But a thousand years from now, assuming we're here a thousand years from now, people are going to say, did you know those silly people thought that cats and dogs <laughs> came from rain? Yeah, yeah, I, I get you. Uh, 
But I, I mean, there could be something more there. There could, uh, and I think even uh, Jewish uh, teachers and and so on, uh, you would take the scriptures and you would make, uh, you would make use the scriptures to make a lesson, a, a moral uh, teach a moral lesson, right? I mean, you would sermonize. Your rabbis sermonize a bit, right? They would take a certain passage. Uh, may I would, say maybe more than a bit, maybe a bit too much. <laughs> but I will say the old story about this. One guy always fell asleep during the rabbi's sermon. Mm-hmm. Uh, except this one time he went to sleep before the rabbi started talking. And afterwards, the rabbi went down to him and said, Hey, you usually wait till I start talking to go to sleep. What happened? And the, and the guy said, Hey, I have faith in you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that, that's the idea, though, that, that, that we can sermonize. We can draw other pictures from the Bible and make and kind of uh, to make a, a moral point or make a teaching point about God's character, about human nature or something. But we have to be very careful that we don't depart and draw conclusions like that that are not accurate, uh, that may not be accurate. And, and so the, the most important meaning when we come to the Scripture is what, what was said in that moment and what was intended in that moment. When God is speaking from Mount Sinai, when he's speaking to Moses from the burning bush, you know, we, what we, the important thing to know is what was he actually trying to communicate and say, not what we think we want to you know, make him say. Or, and so that, I, that's why I'm saying that we need you, Jacob. We need our uh, we. For the Jewish perspective, it's so the Hebrew perspective of these scriptures is so important and it's so helpful to us in that sense. So um, anyway, that's, I just wanted to get that out there. I, we both kind of talked a little bit about what what these early chapters and early books of the Bible are about. And I think it's just setting the stage uh, that the same dynamics, the same factors involved now as God moves on into the time of, of, of Egypt and, and bringing them out of Egypt, the, the same thing is happening. God is working among men and nations. He, he, he is... Uh, controlling and guiding human experience, uh, and he's put these safeguards in p- place so that we don't self-destruct uh, earlier, you know, and go off and kill ourselves and destroy ourselves early, so that all the years and the generations pass, there has more time for God to to reveal himself to more and more human boys and girls, men and women, young people, and, and draw out more and more people to himself who desire to know him and love him and are trusting in him, in his mercy and his long-suffering, his forgiveness. And, and that, uh, But one day it will be over. One day the process will be completed. There will be a final curtain drawn. Uh, all of these cycles of... Uh, uh, judgment and, and, and repentance and restoration and judgment, all these cycles that we've seen talked about and uh, all through the scriptures, uh, someday it'll be over and there will be a final uh, a final reckoning, as the old folks used to say. The, the reckoning uh, judgment will come and uh, we'll move on into our uh, that, that plan for which God created, that eternal plan. I will be God, their God, they will be my people. Well, that's that's all I wanted to say, and I, let me get away from it now. And uh, when we go to the book of Exodus, you wanna you, shall we go and, and talk to our... Let, let's set the stage for other callers, and then I'll get to Harold. And Harold, please hang on. Don't give up on me. Is there Were there some passages that we looked at this week from the Ten Plagues? Uh, is there things that, that you might think would be good to put out there just so that we can... 
come well, back. Actually, to your you. question about. By the way, we should. You should. Everybody should know that uh, you, you, and I guess your family spends a lot of time assembling all these questions. Well, we, yeah. Uh, we, and the, we, have, we have a lot of questions. That's what yeah, we, you, uh, we're good at. Questions. But you, yeah, but it's really remarkable because people should see this. You prepare like 50 questions on each thing. It's really quite remarkable. But going answering your question, look at verse number one. Uh huh. The one that's always most fascinating to me is that you say uh, there were ten plagues, and the first thing you say is water to blood. And that one is, the, is I think, the most unappreciated, but one of the most important. I know what you're going to say there, and I, I want you to comment on that. But the question is, which two of the ten plagues? Now, I'm surprised now that I say there are only two. And when I was listening this week, uh, as we made our way through, it seemed like there were more than just two that the that the Pharaoh's magicians were able to duplicate. Or, or right here in my question, it says which two of them was he uh, able to imitate? Well, I, I, I didn't take it that way. Yes, there are more. But what I took a question to mean is there may be like six, or let's say actually let's say four. But you just have to name two to be a winner. Oh, well, thank you. That that covers my, my error. It seems like there were maybe three, or three or four. I'm not sure. Uh, they At some point, they stopped being able to do it, but they did duplicate. They did imitate uh, some of these. And and so that was a good a good question there. Uh, and, and I, I kind of have a, a, a theory about those as well, but I want you to... Well, no, I didn't. Then let's, so why don't you share your theory? Well, my theory was... That they were able to imitate the plagues that did not negate the plague. In other words, what they were able to do, they were able to imitate the plagues, but they were not able to to negate it. Yeah, In other they, words, they could the not, real miracle would right. be if they could the undo them. Undo them. Yeah, they did not undo them. God let them go ahead and imitate them, so that all they really did was add to the problem. Well, I think that may be why, if I may borrow a, a verse from, uh, I'm joking, from your uh -huh. side of the Bible, uh, I think it's Matthew 24, 24. Uh -huh. I think this is what Jesus may be referring to when he says, do not believe in miracles, because miracles were never the proof. Right. Uh, and so what he's saying, and I, th I believe it's Matthew twenty four twenty four because I've kind of yeah, lost on that. Yeah, you've mentioned that many times, and, and I think and, it's a very and important And what he's saying is, that, look, people may be able to do these other things because, you know, I mean, if people do a lot of science, though, uh -huh. somebody living on an island in New Guinea, they're going to think, whoa, these guys do magic or whatever. But it's so interesting, Jesus says, do not believe in miracles. So if you don't believe in miracles, but if you use that as your proof, then you can be tricked. Yeah. Well, and, I, and, I, and correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, I don't, no, I, don't I would think never you correct you if you're wrong. Sure, if I'm wrong. But but the idea that when you say don't believe in miracles, it, oh. it's, uh, miracles did happen. He did. Oh. He himself did miracles. Yeah. Well, but don't, yeah. in other words, miracles, these super, they aren't the... Uh, the do-all and be-all of, uh, in other words, they can be evidence. May I correct? I, I think you made you forced me to refine my sentence, and okay. I, th I think that was good. Uh, well, I think what I'm trying, I meant to say, and probably what you said made uh -huh, me refine uh -huh. it, is he's saying you can believe a miracle happened, but don't believe that's the proof of being a Messiah. Yeah. Or, or yeah, exactly. That's 
That I think is what he's saying. Yeah. That's not. I, that's I, I not would tend to evidence. agree with you. That's not the most. So important if that's the case, then can miracles be, are not the proof of the Messiah because they can be falsified. I mean, they uh, can be. So don't put yeah. your total faith in miracles. That's not yeah. the idea. Well, a person could might make a yeah. miracle, mm -hmm. but that doesn't prove messiahship. Yeah. Well, the Messiah had to do miracles, right? He, he had to. Yeah, wasn't that part of the prophecies in the Old Testament? That I don't know. This is, would, this, is your part, would, this is your part of the story. The lame would walk, the blind would see, the ah, and so on. The, yeah. the, the Messiah would yeah. uh, have healing in well, his I don't hands. think there's any prohibition of the Messiah doing miracles. Right. But I, I think the Messiah had to do miracles because it seemed to be that was what he was... Right. But that doesn't prove that, that no, he's the Messiah. No, no, that in and of itself is not the one single no. thing, and and I, that's what I'm getting from right. what you're saying as well. Um, so anyway, okay. So I explained why the two of the two, <laughs> why it was silly. But how do you like my thinking there about the? Um, I like your thinking. Uh, uh, all they really did when they were duplicating those particular uh, yes uh, plagues was they were just they were just making the situation worse. That's so maybe right. God just they can make it happen, out. but if they really understood it, they could undo it. Get rid of the frogs. No, just add more frogs. Get rid of the blood in the rivers. No, just add more. Uh, I've always thought there was a. I'm not sure it wasn't you who first made me see that for some reason. But anyway, shall, I guess I better get over here and talk to... Um, take, take, take one of these dozens of calls. <laughs> we got, I think we've got Harold on the line. Harold, have you been patient enough to stay with us all this time or not? I have been patient. Well, I've been hanging on. We give you the prize for the most persistent and the most patient of our callers tonight. Thanks for coming okay. in. What's going on in your world? Well, you started out with Hanukkah, and I remember when I first learned about it, uh, the Rabbi Block could see the glow and gleam in my eyes when uh, it, I heard that we're supposed to get eight presents, but it actually works up to one bigger present, a maybe pres a pencil, a eraser. A present every day? Is that the idea? I, I, yeah, unless I got the wrong religion, but I do think that's what it was. But, uh, you know. That, that, but, that does sound very Jewish, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was going to be good. But, um, but uh, you were, you know, yesterday, my son was here yesterday, and we got in the car, we drove off, and two houses down, he goes, look at that. And I said, yeah, I know how. We had a couple that lived there for probably 45 years. We've been in our house for 40. And he goes, man, I've all, often wondered, Dad, who would live in your house when, actually said, when you die. Uh -huh. And I said, well, Harold, I said, when I do die, I'm going to be passing the torch on to you. Uh -huh. So that's what the kids are for, you know, to pass the torch on. We're not supposed to live forever. Right. Uh, I don't even think we'd want to, you know, to be honest with you. Not in this setting. Uh, no. Otherwise, otherwise, what's the sense of having children, kids, and stuff like that? But back to the Bible, not just uh, so Harold. Can I, can I say a point about that? Sure, sure. Of I'm course. glad you mentioned that because I, I was talking to my wife about it. This is last week. We, I heard someone talk about the fact that uh, they talked about, you know, we talk easily about eternal life. You know, that's part of our, our religious jargon. You know, we have eternal life. We're going to live forever. And, and and I heard some preacher or some teacher talking about, have you ever thought about that? He said, you know, uh, are you sure you want to live forever? 
And all of a sudden, the first time in my life, I, I thought of that, and I thought, wow, <laughs> maybe. That. And so I asked Susie about it, and she said, yeah, yeah, it'll be a totally different setting. What we get tired of in this world, I think, I think there comes a time when, when we might say, yeah, I'm ready to go home. I remember when, when uh, my mother-in-law, when Suzanne's mom, uh, went home to be with the Lord, uh, and I remember those last uh, that last year. She would often say, "I'm ready to go. I'm tired. I'm ready to go home," and uh, and, and I can get it. But I, as as I was evaluating that statement, living forever, that this preacher was the first one that ever made me think, "Are you sure you want to live forever?" You know, and it made me think about, well, what is the setting? You know, what what will be what will make it different from this life where. We won't be tired of, mm-hmm. of, of living. Look at that, Harold. Our time went by again, this segment. I know. Can you stay on the phone through the se- sure. break sure. and come back? And we'll, we'll I will. Further. Thank you so much. Let okay, me, uh, thank you. Uh, let me pot Harold down. We'll come back to him in just a moment. And there's our music. Oh, come all you faithful. We'll, we've got one 30-minute segment left. We'll get cover some of our passages from the book of Exodus. And uh, then we'll come back right after this break. So please, don't go away. We'll be right here uh, when uh, the break is over. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Jingle bells, jingle bells, what a happy day. I asked Jesus in my heart, and now he's here to stay. Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, sing it loud and clear. Jesus lives within my heart each day all through the year. I remember it's You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. I'd walked in darkness oh so long my soul with sin was stained then I heard the spirit's call and I fell before the cross Jesus shined his light took away my sin now I'm no longer lost oh jingle bells jingle bells what a happy day I asked Welcome back to the Bible Live. No, this is not Soapy Dollar. This is producer John Harrison. Soapy stepped out of the studio for a moment. You recognize that voice? You recognize that voice? Jacob, for some reason, is being kind of quiet. No, I said yes. I shook my head. (laughs) He nodded his head. That helps on radio. It's like watching uh, ballet dancers on radio. But, uh, oh, and just in time. Soapy is back, and I'm going to hand it over to him. We're going to go back to Harold in just a moment. All right. They heard you sing. Oh, no. Jingle bells. Oh, is that right? I sang my, my baptized Christmas songs. All right. Thanks, everybody, for your patience there. Let's go back and talk to Harold. What do you think? I don't want to not keep my promise to bring him back up and have our visit. Hey, Harold, what's going on now? We want you to be able to finish your thought there. Okay. Um uh, you were saying, uh, or I think well, I was saying that your thought there about life and death being a part of of our—that's part of our life here on planet Earth. Is it's not? 
it's part of the process. It's not part. It's not something an interruption uh, of, no. of God's plan at all. Uh, and, and I. I I, I think that's where you were coming from. You were responding a little bit right. to the thoughts about and normalcy for our, these things are yeah, normal and for our lives. That's why we have the children, you know. That, sure. That's why we uh, have the kids, you know, because we can't carry the torch forever. We have to pass it on to the and, next and person. And that's why we have start. not only biological children, but that's why we have spiritual children. That's why we pass the torch to another generation of the gospel and we uh, even right now I pray uh, every week and every day I pray for that God is raising up young spiritual leaders for our nation young believers right. people who who teach the next teach reach their yeah. generation for the cause uh, of the gospel so uh, it's, well that's why we have this radio show also you know right, sure. point, point you know I just wanted to add uh, one more thing I have been reading in the book of John uh, Chapter 8, verse 21 through 58. Chapter 8 is a very right interesting chapter. Yes, it is. Yeah. Well, you know, right at the end, uh, chapter 8, verse 58, when Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was, I am. And God knew that Jesus was going to be born. You know what? He knew we were going to be born. He knew I was going to be born. He knew I was going to have a son. But yet, I am so glad I didn't know the day I got married. It was 18 years later, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But uh, anyway, that 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 word right there, before Abraham was, I am. And then you know the rest of the story. At that point, they wanted to throw stones at him. So I'm, I'm starting to think maybe outside the box a little bit that uh -huh. I am. He's referring to God. I don't think he's saying that he is. I could be wrong. I don't know if you want to talk about it or not, but I think maybe they misunderstood. He was saying before Abraham, I am. Remember how God would say, I, I am. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that, that's so, the... Uh... That is uh, the great I am. You know, it, actually, at the, at the, at the um, burning bush, I've learned from Jacob that the actual words there were, uh, Abraham said, well, who will I tell them sent me? You know, what God, you know. Uh, actually, I think it might have been Moses, but what do I? Yeah, I'm sorry. I said Abraham, Moses. And he said, I am. Until uh, and, and so it's, but my, my understanding is from what Jacob has said. It, actually, the Hebrew word is "I will be what I will be," which is very interesting pa uh, word verbiage anyway. But it, I, I've always been told that in that passage, John chapter eight, Jesus ends up saying, "Before Abraham was, I am." Was that was indeed what they understood that that was him. Claiming to be God, and that's why they reach down and get stones. Well, to, do you know this is interesting? Him, you, know? you know, even though the preacher R.C. Sproul, mm -hmm. uh, now he has an interesting take on it, which I think supports what Harold's saying, and I think I agree with. I think what uh, if Sproul says, he says when he says, "Before Abraham was, I am." Well, if I am means God's name back on. Uh, Exodus chapter 3, then it would also mean that there, as Sproul says. And the reason they were upset with him, because he was saying God's name. Mm -hmm. Now, that's what Sproul says. I see. Interesting. 
Yeah, that is yeah, really good. Something there was better, something there was very, very. I mean, there was a live, pregnant moment. There was a there was a deep significance there because immediately they reached down. Something was said that caused them to be reaching for stones to to execute him, to to stone him. Uh, so something very important was being said there. Just it wasn't just kind of empty words. I, at least I guess we could. We could conclude that he. Well, he we, I think we can agree like. that they they were not wanting to buy ice cream from him. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, well, maybe they would be. <laughs> no. yeah. Or maybe. Well, anyway, not. yeah, you know, you know, when they all well, that's a different song. But yeah. anyway, I better let y'all run. You know, you might have another caller. We appreciate um, you very much, my friend. Good to hear from you. Okay. Have a great right, Christmas bye-bye. season. Bye-bye. There we go. Harold calls in often, and, and he's, God, I like his little stories. I like, you know, this, with my son, and we're talking, or we're over at the, uh, where does that story go? He goes to the libraries and reads books, and this is happening. Barnes and Noble. Yeah. I like his stories. That's, Water, that's kind of cool. <laughs> Whataburger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, do you have another um, uh, uh, Well, I like your question, question number three. Okay. What did Hebrew families do that kept their children safe while God took the firstborn sons of the Egyptians in the tenth and final judgment? I listened uh, as we read through that again this week, and boy, what a moment. What what a powerful time, day in the life of Egypt that must have been. The firstborn child of every family dying. Yeah, and well, we need to get away from the idea that it was little children. It was older adults uh-huh. because uh, in that culture, the older adults, were because of their birth sequence, they would be the generals and the colonels, the leaders of the army. Those are the ones that actually ordered the death of the Jewish kids. And so when they were the firstborn, they might be 60 years old, but they were the firstborn. Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah, that's a, that's a thought. Uh, no doubt about it. The kid, they weren't all like two-year-olds. Or three, I, I don't even know if the, is the idea that there wasn't there weren't no, I, I think there, there weren't any twelve year olds. No, I uh, I believe there was. In fact, uh, even uh, the story goes about Pharaoh's son died. Uh-huh. Yeah, but uh, but I think that he's the one. As it says in the Ten Commandments, when Charlton Heston says that Pharaoh, there's another curse on Egypt, it'll come out of your mouth. Mm. So he curses his own people. Mm. In other words, uh, I think that uh, there's a Hebrew phrase for it, but it's measure for measure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so uh, he, he actually is responsible for uh, whatever came on the Egyptians was actually from Pharaoh. Yeah. Well, that, that that does bring us to a whole different point in a way, no matter what might have happened in that occasion. Uh, bad things do happen to children in this world, too. Remember, remember what I said just earlier about the fact that uh, this isn't heaven yet. It's not even Iowa. Remember Field of Dreams? Is this heaven? No, it's Iowa. <laughs> but no, And we're not wearing ruby slippers, either. No, no. <laughs> bad things that happen to good people. Good things happen to bad people. We, uh, uh, Kansas. A bullet Door, doesn't yeah, turn yeah. to a marshmallow just because it's headed toward a, an innocent child. Uh, so we do live in a world uh, that's messy. That there's, but but it doesn't detract from the central point that I mentioned earlier. That 
the, our existence is not about this life. Our existence is about this life is a preparation and a, and, and a portal to yeah, our And, you know, and while existence. I appreciate what you're saying, uh-huh. that's very, very, uh, I don't know what the word is, uh, unacceptable by me. Okay, well, let's talk about it because that, that's that's. Because see, way, this is has to this be is the only life I got, uh-huh. and I'm gonna and I I want to mention something if I may. If it's not weather or a disease or some natural disaster, shall we say, then almost everything that happens to human beings is caused by us doing it to other human beings. Mm-hmm. And true. I heard a few weeks ago somebody said, and it's true. Um, that every human being you meet has something going on in their lives mm-hmm. that's bothering them or disturbing them. Mm-hmm. And if we can remember that, that every human being you talk to has something going on, that will explain a lot. Sometimes maybe they're rude, maybe they're not friendly, whatever. But they got something going on. But if you stop and excluding weather and natural disasters and diseases, uh, the truth is, everything we do to ourselves is done by people to people. But even sometimes diseases. I think sometimes our understandings about our lifestyles, sometimes our, uh, our understandings of medicine, and even might sometimes we get caught up with big pharma and money and systems, and people die. And so there's, but but death is is a part of this People, process. What I'm referring to is this is the only life I got. There was a famous debate took front of King James uh-huh. in Spain before the, before the Inquisition. And a famous Jewish scholar that was there, and they were having a debate. The Catholic Church chose their champion, and the Jews had one. And the Jewish guy began off by saying, you know, at this moment... King, since you're going to make a decision, at this moment you're more important to me than God, because you're making the decision, and God has left it in your hands to make the decision. And what I fear, and and I understand the philosophy and the theology, but what I get worried about is this is the only life I got, this is the only life you got, our children, this is their only lives. If we live solely for something afterwards, then we are not fulfilling what was the enjoyment of living our lives as human beings as God put us here to do. No, it's exactly the opposite. See, your philosophy and theology is exactly the opposite, and mine's exactly opposite no, of you. I'm, I'm not sure of that. Well, I'm you just sure. said it's exactly opposite. No, I'm saying that the fact that I'm... The fact that I'm right with God and wow. that I'm ready right. for death, I'm ready for eternity, right. and I, I makes me not fear death. But now, I'm now ready to truly live life here to the hilt. You know, to just every experience and, and every challenge and every opportunity, I'm more prepared now to live. Well, now you're changing changing what you said because you said I'm living for the future, for the afterlife. And I was taking the point, no, the afterlife is something that's afterlife. During our life, we must live our life. And this is the only life I got. It's the only one you got. And every human being that's suffering in this life is caused by other human beings causing it. Absent, absent no, disease. I see my point, I don't think, uh-huh. is that once you're free from the fear of death, uh-huh. and that is settled, that you know that you're going to go be with God forever, with God's people, with God and with God's people forever, that's your destiny. <laughs> 
it, once that is settled, truly, absolutely settled, there's, you, then at that point, you're ready here to, for, you're ready to live here, take every opportunity, do every, you know, use your life as one life that you have, as you mentioned, to the maximum, bless people, love people, give yourself away, pour out your life and benefit of others, because now you're ready, you're truly, you're truly freed up and ready to take those risks. Okay, let's say you're ready. Now, now I'm still here in this world. Okay. So right here in this world is where I want you to stop being mean to me. I want to stop being mean to you. Exactly. We need to stop that and live our lives. I believe that God knew what he was doing when he made this dimension, and he made human beings. Mm -hmm. And he gave human beings these rules, and he says, now this is how I want you to treat each other. These are God's laws. Yeah. So he's concerned about what we're doing here. He'll handle the afterlife. Exactly. And, I, and I'm fully trusting his afterlife. I'm, I know well, I'm... But I'm, I'm not... So I, now I'm fully The afterlife focused. is God's hands, not mine. Exactly. I am, that's what I'm saying, is when it's settled, mm -hmm. when you don't have any more questions about the afterlife, right. no more doubts, no more wondering what's going to happen, and you know it's going to be good, you're going to be with it. At that point, then, I, tone, I turn the total focus of my existence to this life. I'm able to into obeying God and being God's okay. man and trusting him and loving people and helping people and you know, be obeying his commands and being the kind of man that God wants me to be, like, like you say, you know, the Ten Commandments, you know, the the the, the scriptures. It's it's about how we should live here. Yes. Once that is settled, it all becomes about how I live here. Okay. I'm saying. Do you say what I'm saying? I'm saying the same thing. I believe that you're saying, but the motivation for it, I'm freed up to actually live that way because. My future is settled. My well, future if is let's say you're a devout atheist, uh -huh. so you've got it settled. Now let's concentrate on this life. Well, do you see, do you see the hazard of that type of approach? Because as once as I settle it, if I believe or I don't believe, it's settled. Mm -hmm. Now I can concentrate on this life. That's that's. But I, however you settle it, yeah. whatever your thought yeah, is. Now, about, now you're going to say no. You got to you got to get to heaven. No, 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 no. Wait, I'm not saying. You don't tell me what I'm going to say. Yeah, okay. I what I'm saying is that however you settle it. Yeah. Whatever you think is ultimate reality, right, so on, right. that's going to be what guides the way wow. you live your life here. <clears throat> wow. If I'm, <clears throat> I'm so sorry. <clears throat> if I'm an atheist, don't take that as a sign, by the way. No, no. If I'm an atheist and I and, and I, I don't believe there's any future. I don't believe there's an eternity. I'm right, just right. here and I'm gone. Sure. Then, if I live consequently no. with that thought here. No. No. I'll do anything I want, anything I want to do, anytime I want to do it, to anybody I want to do it, just for any reason I want to do it. Because well, I think no, it's fair to say you're not an atheist, right? Is that true, though? You're, no. Oh, okay. So take the role of the atheist. No, no, no. You're not an atheist, right? <clears throat> no. No, neither am I. <clears throat> so, uh, but I, I have heard the atheists say that mm -hmm. I still know what's the better for mankind to have rules, to not steal, to not kill. And so I know that's a betterment of society. That's what the more educated atheists say. Wait, pause, they hit the pause say, button. Oh, they can't say I know. They can say I believe. 
Well, they can say whatever they want. Oh, I know, but they can't accurately say I know okay. any more than I can say I know. Well, yes, you, I don't know. I can say I, I don't believe. Know. I don't know. <laughs> I know. See, there you so, say I don't know. So, but, uh, but I'm just saying that I've heard the more educated atheists say, well, no, I mean, I, I, I think I can determine that it's better for society to have peace instead of kill each other. And I, I can see how their logic is working that way. Now, I understand what you're saying, too, that if you don't have a higher idea of something ideal, that's uh, the, the absolute eternal idea of what the right and wrong is, then you don't subscribe to an idea of right and teacher, wrong. Teacher, teacher, question. Oh, you're talking to me? Yes. No. Now, okay, we, we brought up the topic of this uh, theoretical, this hypothetical atheist. Okay. And this hypothetical atheist that has high ideals. Right. Uh, but those ideals are not consequent with his atheism. Now, he can say, I believe that better behavior, treating each other nice, is better for the human race, uh, and so on. But ultimately, it, what, what does the human race matter? If all we do is die and that's it, we're gone, yeah, it doesn't matter. That's what I'm saying, and I, I'm just expressing what has been expressed to me. And certainly what you're saying is correct for some of them, but mm -hmm. I found that some of them say, look, I can, I can determine that it's better to us, especially since they don't believe in something afterwards. They, by the way, you know what an atheist is? He has no invisible means of support. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good. Um, but at any rate, so uh, what I'm saying is they say, look, I know what's better for us to be able to live neighborly and me to enjoy my life and you enjoy yours. Again, he can't use the word no. He has to say, I believe. Well, they can. He, we, every society knows it's not good to be but, killing your neighbors. Because they might that kill you. It's not necessarily true it's if not? there is... If all we are are like animals in the street right. and we die and we're gone and there's no consequences uh, and there's no there's no real purpose and meaning uh, to life and direction, uh, then then you can say what you believe uh, in your opinion, but somebody else's opinion is just as valid as yours, and it may be their opinion that no, my life. Uh, I understand, but we're not talking about a religious point of view, and I'm not sponsoring atheism. I'm just saying that it's been explained to me that they say that logically I can determine that it's better that. Uh, we all, as a civilization, get along better than constantly be at war. And, I, and they say it's not necessary that I have an idea of an afterlife to enforce that. The natural response is, well, that's you're making the decisions then. But if there's something eternal and a real right and wrong, let's say from a god, then it's not you making the decisions anymore, it's a god. And if you don't subscribe to that, then you're free to change what you think. And if I may, I think uh, that's what Jesus was saying in the Gospels when he said, uh, judge not lest you be judged, and by what measure you judge, you shall be judged. Mm -hmm. I think what he's saying is you don't make up the rules, because if you do, the next guy will make up the rules. And everybody can change constantly, unless there's something with more authority, a supernatural, if you will. Mm -hmm. So I, I subscribe to what you're saying, but I've also, it's, it's been offered to me from people who are, who are atheists, they can say, I feel, and they say, I know I I can determine sure. that it's better for me not to have my children killed by my neighbor. And and I know that as a human, logical human being, I don't 
I understand what you're saying, but that's what they say. Yeah, of course, I, I understand that they can have their opinion uh, about, everybody can have their opinion about what's going on and what what would be best and so on and so on and so on. Yeah. But if you want, if we want to evaluate our opinions, if we want to discuss them, and, and I'm not talking about it in a hateful way. I'm just May I give you an example that Jesus gave in the Bible? Uh, you know, that would be a pretty... Great. May I give you an example? Yes. I, it came up today, mm-hmm. uh, talking about the so-called Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. I must say, and confess with a certain amount of uh, irony and amusement, when people say, oh, he's a Good Samaritan. A Samaritan is a pagan. Mm-hmm. He doesn't believe in the same God in the mm-hmm. Bible. But what Jesus was making the point about, I, as I understand the story, saying, look, even a pagan that doesn't believe in our God with all our commandments, he can do good things. Oh, yeah. And, and if, even if you're trained, like the Jews in the story that passed the guy was hurt, they were trained and knew better, and yet they didn't help. But I think Jesus is saying, if you're trained and you don't do it, that's not a good thing. But even if you're a pagan, a Samaritan... Because some people, because uh, I, uh, so somebody tells me I'm a good Samaritan, I, I know they don't understand. They're telling me I'm a pagan and I'm an idol worshiper. I understand that, but they're trying to give me a compliment that I'm doing something good. Well, I think that story means that you don't have to be agree- in agreement with Jesus mm-hmm. or the Jews who were trained to do well and did not do it in his story. Uh, or, but you can be a pagan who does worship idols and has other gods, and you can still do a good thing. No, yeah, I've never, I've never questioned that. Yeah. If, if maybe you've taken what I'm saying to mean that I'm questioning it, but I know. No. No. I, oh, I know that every human being can do a good thing in a, good, in a given moment and help someone there's no there's no doubt about that. I can tell you I'd rather have George W. Bush living next door to me than Bill Clinton. Do you know why? Because <laughs> I know when I'm at work, he's not going to make a... Bush W. Bush would not make a pass at my wife. Okay. I know Bill Clinton will climb the fence as soon as I leave for work. <laughs> okay. Well, we have just moved from the theoretical and the spiritual to the very practical application. That's... That we can, um, that we can. Uh, well, that's because, uh, as we know, Bush was a professing Christian. Sure, that's right. And, and, uh, yeah. Well, you. I'm not sure we've settled our little mini debate there, but. Well, may I say before we go? Please do say. And which can, is conformity with what we're talking about. Yeah. N- nothing in the Book of Exodus. Uh, please be the kind of person you would like to have for a parent. And come back and be with us next week as we continue our way. Uh, discussing the scriptures that we read Monday through Friday this week at 9.30. And we'll discuss all of those passages next week here on the Bible Live Quiz Show. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Sophie every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Sophie and The Bible Live broadcast.
You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.